Hello everyone, it's Chad Hubbard back with you again, and after my bearded brother Tim finished up uh, our last series, I get to have the privilege of kicking off with our new series called Life, Money, and Legacy. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to look at money management. Now, that's a phrase that some of us cringe at. Uh, seems it's an impossible task. To others, it might feel as if uh, it's very constricting or negative. I know myself, I had that same kind of sentiment uh, at any time that that came up, you know, as, as my wife and I were talking about, you know, finances and, and quote unquote, the budget, because that when I heard budget, that meant to me, you know, restrictive. And so I already had a negative connotation towards it. But we're going to take some practical steps to manage your money and or give you, you know, some ideas on how to manage your money that can actually be both of a freeing and healing uh, aspect to your life rather than one of, you know, restriction and, uh, you know, something negative. So the big idea out of all of this is that the process can bless our own lives, the lives of our family, and the lives of others. And it will make a difference for years and years to come. So in this four-part message series, we're going to learn practical biblical advice on topics like budgeting, money myths, and more based on wisdom, based on material provided by Financial Peace University. No matter what your situation, the principles learned here can help with getting out of debt, making better financial solutions, and ultimately finding peace and creating a legacy that lasts. It's about life, money, and legacy centered on our relationship with God through Jesus. We've said that God's ways of handling money work, but as they work, they also raise some questions, some important questions. For instance, how do I keep wealth from ruining my life? Wealth changes you in one way or another. You don't want to become the person who goes crazy just because you've gained some wealth. Maybe a second question, how do I keep wealth from ruining my kids? There are two types of rich kids, those who are messed up and those who are not. None of us want our kids to become the next reality star whose life is out of control because they don't know how to handle money properly. Prosperity can lead us down the wrong road. If we aren't careful, we find ourselves in a whole lot of trouble in a short amount of time. Notice what a famous actor, for which I'm sure all of you are aware, Jim Carrey said, and I quote, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer, end quote. That's why we need a biblical pattern for how wealth is supposed to work in our lives. We need guidance so that the wealth God provides becomes a blessing for our families. Notice the decision God provides the nation of Israel, who's at a crossroads with choosing God's way that leads to life or their way that leads to death states, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. The biblical pattern moves us through a process called now, then, us, them. It takes us from a place where we are focused on our immediate needs to a spot where we can give generously 
to meet the needs around our neighborhood, our community, and the world. So let's first look at now. Now is when your head is down and you're focused on just getting through each day. This is where the stage where many people are living their lives these days. I know that was true for my family uh, when I was serving active duty. And oftentimes I've shared before where I'm deployed away, you know, and my family is still here stateside, but we basically have two separate incomes going uh, or income needs, that is. And it was very straining on our family. And I was just trying to get through the day. And it's very hard to get through each of those days and just to have that constant approach. You move from, thank God it's Friday, to, oh no, it's Monday. It's hard to enjoy life because you're so focused on making a living. While you're living in the now, your primary focus is on taking care of your family. But that's okay. Because from a biblical perspective, that's what you're supposed to be doing at this stage. Notice what Paul writes to summon a local church trying to escape responsibility. Notice what Paul writes to summon a local church trying to escape responsibility. Anyone who does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is a continuation further on in Timothy. But if she has children or grandchildren... Their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. And so it was in Jewish custom to add on to your home. You need to care for those closest to you. Never let anyone try to guilt you into letting other priorities come before your family. Our faith is rooted in giving and serving. We are the most like God when we give or when we sacrifice as he gave his son over to the punishment for our sin. We are the most like Jesus when we serve as he served. This is the stage where the biblical foundations for handling money really take root. Getting out of debt, staying on a budget, living on less than you make, saving as much money as you can, and giving as generously as your circumstances allow. When you follow the basic principles, you start to find some margin and can breathe a little bit. As you do, your head comes up and you can start to look ahead to the future. So now let's take a look at then. Then is when you start looking towards the future. As the weight of the now starts to lift, you recognize that there's more than what's going on right now. And you can start developing a vision for the future. You develop a future focus. As it's said in Proverbs 29:18, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. So once your family is secure and you're starting to gain some confidence, you can start planning for the future. You can start investing for retirement and saving for college funds. Some people, they think they're living by faith when they're really living, or rather flying, by the seat of their pants. Just living on the edge and claiming to trust God. But that's not faith. That's irresponsibility. Real faith involves creating a plan, thinking about what can be done, 
and pursuing a vision. Now let's look at us. Once you set in motion your vision for then in front of you, your peripheral vision allows you to see something better for your family. As your vision continues to expand, you begin to think about a kind of legacy you're building for that next generation. Notice Solomon's wisdom. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the body. We're all building a legacy. To build a legacy that makes a positive difference in your family, you must be intentional about training your children to handle God's wealth. Notice Solomon's wisdom again. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You have to prepare them to pass on their own positive legacy to future generations, like a runner passing a baton in a relay. During the then, you start to see what you can do to change your family tree. You can break free from the bad habits and decisions that may have been crippling your family for years and just seem to be on a rinse and repeat cycle. I can recount a time in my family's history where I just felt after seeing the struggles that I had in one particular case and caring for a failing uh, family member that was taken ill to another family member taken ill and seeing how in one case there was a lack of preparedness and financial ability to uh, account for that time, whereas the other family member had everything secured, everything was in order, and it was much easier to take care of them in those years of illness, that season of illness, and eventually that leading to death and being called home to heaven. And so I didn't want to fall into that scenario where I didn't have my family prepared. So I took it upon myself very early in life to start planning for that legacy that would carry on from my next uh, generation with my children to their next generation. So you can't just leave money to dysfunctional, immature kids because it will ruin them. You need to put safeguards in place. And there's three main lenses that provide safeguards for your family. That first lens is the lens of magnification. Money makes you more of what you are. It magnifies the person you are. So if you're a jerk without money, you'll be a bigger jerk with money. If you're generous without money, you'll be incredibly generous, generous with money. You have to be careful about the person you become because that will be magnified with money. That second lens, the lens of ownership. God owns it all. We're merely the managers. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Whatever you are in charge of, regardless of the amount, it belongs to him. Recognizing God's ownership allows you to keep your possessions in proper perspective. It's much, much easier to handle someone else's money and property. This attitude lets you handle money wisely for God's glory without having it mess you up. That next 
lens is the lens of community. You become like the people you hang around, so be careful about whom you spend your time with. Once you align your own life with these lenses, you'll need to apply them to other relationships in your life. In marriage, you need to remember that couples can't heal hurts with money. In parenting, make sure your kids understand that God owns it all and make sure that they carefully choose the people and friends who surround them. With extended family members and others, maintain proper boundaries to protect your legacy. And then you've got generational handoffs. Some people today think that it's better for Christians to give all their wealth to nonprofits instead of handing out generously to their family members. But the Bible shows that we shouldn't hesitate to pass our resources to our family if those individuals are trained to handle it well. From David and Solomon, one prime example of a positive generational handoff is the story of King David and his son Solomon. You see, David couldn't build the temple, but he provided the money for Solomon to build it. In today's money, David contributed what would amount to $21 billion. David understood that his resources were God's resources. He knew that he could trust Solomon, so David didn't hesitate to give his son the money he had saved for the building of the temple. In building a legacy for your family, you have a choice to make. You can choose between blessings and curses. The difference between blessings and curses, life and death, is the decisions you make during the us stage. Your choices today will establish a direction for your children to follow. Choose life so your family can make a difference for years to come. You can create a legacy that will outlive you and that will make an impact for the kingdom of God that can stretch for decades. Now let's look at them. In this stage, your vision broadens. Your vision for your family is in place, and God God allows you to see other needs that you can meet. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully as is stated in 2 Corinthians. These needs can be down the street or around the world. The key is that you respond to God's leading and give generously to meet the needs of others. Margaret Thatcher once said, No one would remember the Good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. He had money as well. Poor people can't meet the financial needs of poor people. You have to build wealth and let God use you to fulfill his plans and with his resources. Now, each Sabbath, Jewish families observe a special ceremony known as the Havdalah. During the Havdalah's observation, a member of the family pours wine into a cup placed in a saucer. The one who pours allows the cup to fill and even overflow the lip of the cup. This lets some of the wine collect in the saucer below. 
In the ceremony, the cup represents the resources dedicated to the family. So, filling the cup represents a commitment to make sure all the family's needs are met during the week to come. We work with God to determine how big our cup should be. We don't want it so small that our family's needs don't get met. But we also don't want it to be so big that we become selfish and self-centered. Meanwhile, the overflow that runs into the saucer represents resources dedicated to meet the needs of other people. While the cup is filled, some of what God has provided is set aside to minister outside the family. While we meet the needs of our family, we can plan for some overflow that will allow us to minister to others for God's glory. Now, then, us, them. It gives us a biblical framework for handling money. This process can bless our own lives, the lives of our family members, and the lives of others. It will make a difference now and for years to come. The Bible says that God blessed Abraham and that he would use Abraham to bless the world. We are also blessed so we can be a blessing to others. So let us pray. Give us the strength and endurance to deal with the now. Give us the vision for the future and the focus to see it through. Open our aperture, open our hearts and minds to think about the kind of legacy we wish to build for the next generation. And broaden our vision to not only see but to meet the needs of others through an ability to live and give like no other. Finally, God, let us remain committed and dedicated to the biblical framework for harnessing our finances. For in so doing, we not only bless our own lives, but the lives of family members and others perhaps we have yet come to know. And in so doing, we not only live a life of purpose, a life of significance, but we leave a lasting legacy for generations yet to come. We pray this all in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen.